Bienvenidos and welcome to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, produced by Nina Serrano, Julieta Kusnir, Vanessa Bohm, and Vilma V. In tonight's program, we check in with writer and scholar Roberto Lovato about why it's so urgent to reimagine Las Américas. We hear about Brava Theater's newest theatrical production, Mighty Real, a fabulous Sylvester musical, celebrating the life of the original 1970s disco queen Sylvester. And of course, we bring you the very best in local and international music, with the music of local Argentinian singer Claudio Ortega, who will be releasing his new CD Sombras on March 6th, and the renowned singer, poet, and composer Concha Buica. All this and more, but first, Noticias Sin Fronteras with Vilma V. Vilma V with Noticias Sin Fronteras news headlines without borders from America Latina for the week ending February 22nd. Venezuela, the mayor of Caracas, Antonio Ledesma, has been indicted and taken into custody by the Venezuelan government for allegedly conspiring to commit violence against the Maduro administration. The Attorney General's office said that Ledesma would remain in a military prison pending his trial on the conspiracy charges. This comes just days after the country saw dueling protests and demonstrations marking the one-year anniversary of anti-government protests that left over 40 people dead in 2014. President Maduro stated that Ledesma had to answer for, quote, all the crimes committed against the country's peace and security. Argentina. Last week, hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets and braved torrential rains to mark the one-month anniversary of the suspicious death of special prosecutor Alberto Nisman. Nisman was found dead just days before he was scheduled to appear before the Argentine Congress. He was to present his findings implicating President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, her finance minister Hector Timmerman, and other high-ranking government officials in covering up Iran's role in the bombing of a Jewish center back in 1994 in Buenos Aires. That bombing resulted in the death of over 80 people. Nisman's ex-wife, his two daughters, and Argentine federal judge Sandra Orroyo Salgado led the large demonstration. De Kirchner's presidential term is set to expire at the end of this year, and she is barred from seeking another term. Peru. Earlier this month, it was announced that Peruvian President Ollanta Humala is experiencing significant drops in his approval ratings since beginning his five-year term back in 2011. Humala, a former military official who has seemingly abandoned his leftist rhetoric since taking office, has just 22% of his country's approval. His wife, Nadine Heredia, has an even lower approval rate at just 16%, which is the lowest rate since her husband first took office. Corruption and allegations of espionage against opposition leaders and senior officials point to the drop in the president's popularity. Cuba. Nine members of the U.S. House of Representatives, including California member Nancy Pelosi, met last Thursday with Cuban Vice President Miguel Díaz-Canal. The meeting marked the first time Díaz-Canal, who is likely to become the next president of Cuba when Raúl Castro steps down in 2018, received an American delegation. The Obama administration has already begun the process of lifting barriers to trade and travel, but needs the Republican-controlled Congress to completely lift the 53-year-old trade embargo with Cuba. Estados Unidos. The clock is ticking on the current funding plan for the Department of Homeland Security, which is at an impasse over Republicans' objection to the president's use of executive orders to temporarily halt deportations. The Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals and the Deferred Action on Parents of Americans, known as DACA and DAPA, has also been placed in jeopardy by a court ruling last week by a federal judge in Texas. District Court Judge Andrew Hainan issued a temporary injunction siding with Texas and 25 other states in a lawsuit against Obama's executive action on immigration. However, immigration rights groups across the country 
have urged immigrants to not be discouraged by the court's ruling and to continue to gather needed documents because they are confident that the ruling will be overturned. Xu Ming Chier, immigration attorney at the National Immigration Law Center in Los Angeles, stated, quote, We really want to emphasize the message to immigrants, their friends and families, to not despair that people can get ready to apply for the program as soon as the block is lifted. Mexico. Last Thursday, 10 people were injured in Chilpancingo, the capital of the southern state of Guerrero, when the corporate offices of Coca-Cola were attacked. People were protesting as part of the ongoing unrest related to the apparent massacre of 43 male students from Iguala last September. Two employees were briefly taken hostage, but were eventually released unharmed. Coca-Cola, its warehouses, and delivery trucks have all been targeted several times in the past, resulting in a distribution plant being closed in Guerrero after four delivery trucks were burned. And finally, on a celebratory note, congratulations are due to Mexican film director Alejandro González Iñárritu for his film winning four Oscars on Sunday night. Iñárritu's iconic film, Birdman, won for Best Original Screenplay, Best Picture, Best Cinematography, and the Oscar for Best Director. I want to take one second. I, I just want to take the opportunity. I want to dedicate uh, uh, this award for for my fellow Mexicans, uh, the ones who live in Mexico. Uh, I pray that we can uh, uh, find and build the government that we deserve, and the ones that live in this country who are part of the latest generation of immigrants in this country, I just pray that they can be treated with the same dignity and respect of the ones who came before and built this incredible immigrant nation. Thank you very much. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item or feedback that you would like to share, email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org. Listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Cosnid, and we are very lucky to have Roberto Lovato in our studios. He's a writer, visionary, he's a political thinker, he's done a lot of political work over the years, and a visiting scholar with the Center for Latino Policy Research here at University of California, Berkeley. He is doing a lot of writing and thinking about reimagining and reawakening the political consciousness of Latinos here in the U.S. and connecting dots between America Latina, Latinos here in the U.S. It's taking a step back and looking at history and connecting dots that, that really haven't been looked at before. So, Roberto, it's so great to have you here. You're going to give a talk this Thursday at Shorb House at UC Berkeley, 2547 Channing Way. He will be giving a talk focused around of America, Latinos, the U.S., and the irresistible rise of the continental unconscious. So I have to start off with this huge question, which really is the basis of a book that I'm happy to hear that you're working on. Tell us about this continental unconscious and what are different ways that you're working to spark people's imagination and getting people to think about basically what's buried underneath? Well, before anything, thank you for inviting me. It's, I'm happy to be with you again. You know, I'm especially happy to be able to talk about something that's really different from what I'm known for, which is a lot of political writing and activism over the course of too many years that I'm carrying with me now. Um, but this is a more intimate project. It's, its origins are intimate, and it has an intimate component throughout. Intimate, like Sheree Moraga said that our voice is a writer, is made up of the voices that we heard growing up. Or Joan Didion, who said that uh, we tell ourselves stories in order to, to live. So those things really start hitting me home when I became a writer like a little over 10 years ago. And uh, they're especially hitting me home now as I look at what I want to contribute in the time that I have left. 
And one of the things I want to contribute is is to talk about this idea of a continental unconscious, which for me and for all of us is born personally. For me, in my case, it begins with a a kid that was born in San Francisco's Mission District to Salvadoreño parents. And the son of a father who was a survivor of one of the most violent single episodes in modern history, La Matanza en El Salvador, in 1932. Something my father never said until he was like about 75 years old. And um, boom, throws my whole conception of myself for a spin that I'm still recovering from in, in terms of realizing what the poet Roque Dalton said when he said, que todos nacimos mitad muertos en 1932. We were all born half dead in 1932. And so, you know, that history was erased literally by the Salvadoran government. The United States hasn't marked La Matanza, as far as I know, like it's marked, say, the Holocaust. You know, even though the population's sizes are similar and the proximity geographically is closer from here, there are no Holocaust museums for survivors of any Latin American act of genocide and mass murder. And so we're carrying around kind of that loaded bomb that gang members go off sometimes because if gang, what are gang members? If not a walking, talking trauma that's been unresolved. So I understood this when my father up and talked about this. I understand it as a kid that grew up in the mission who's now an adult and is watching as our history is being erased completely by the ruthless, even totalitarian culture of Silicon Valley. Because that's what's happening in our communities right now. It's ruthless and it's guided by a totalitarian logic. And so our dreams, our traumas, our history, our ways of acting and being in the world are being erased. And so those are part of the individual unconscious. And people like, say, Carl Jung, the collective unconscious, or a theorist by the name of Frederick Jameson talking about the political unconscious, or Sashona Feldman, a, a legal scholar, talks about the juridical unconscious. So reading them and trying to delve deeper to understand how the subconscious is never just solely an individual box, like they tell us, but a collective box. In the case of Latinos and, and of all of us, it's a box that extends throughout the continent. So I've taken to telling stories about what I see as manifestations of the continental unconscious. And that's what I'm going to be doing on Thursday at 3.30 at the Shorb Center. That's the voice of Roberto Lovato. He's a writer, a thinker, a political strategist, and also a visiting scholar at the Center for Latino Policy Research at UC Berkeley. So you're doing a lot of digging and digging and digging and finding these deeply buried stories that are not just personal for individuals, but pull Latinos together because there's a lot of shared history there. So tell us about why you think it's so important for Latinos here in the U.S. to rethink their position in terms of being part of the United States and being part well, of America. I'm actually not taking the traditional Latino route to writing, which is writing primarily for Latinos. I'm writing for people, people in the United States, people in America Latina, because I think we need in this country to recognize ourselves as part of the continent of America. The idea of an America, quote unquote, without an accent, as a country that is embodies the whole continent is a historical and a grammatical mistake that we have to fix. And we have the power to fix it within our individual consciousness just by putting an accent on the E. So there's stories that show this. For example, I was in Pensacola, Florida about a year and a half ago. Pensacola is known as the city of five flags. So you have the French flag, the Spanish flag, the Spanish empire, the British empire, the Confederate empire of the South, and the U.S. flag. And so now there's Mexicans there, and Mexicans are celebrating Cinco de Mayo, and they're pushing, led by a woman who's half indigenous and half Mexican, mixed and really powerful, named Grace Resendez McCaffrey. Grace wants to make Pensacola the city of six flags, right? Not just the Mexican flag, but the flag of the people that were there when the temporary colony that is now Pensacola was founded, even before St. Augustine, the first city in the United States. In 1559, there was an expedition that included a hundred Aztec fighters who came to what is now Florida. It's in something called the Codice Osuna. So they, they found 
all these pottery shards that are Aztec pottery shards and Aztec arrows. People found the codices that confirmed that the Aztecs had, in fact, been in Florida, a place that some had written about as being what's known as Aztlan, which is usually associated with the Southwest. So the imagination of Pensacola, Florida, needs to expand to accommodate the old and not-so-new and new knowledge of the Aztec and now the Mexican presence to become the, the city of six flags. By the same token, we need the United States flag to be a part of the flags of the Americas. It's not. It's border-walled off from the rest of the continent and the world. A city on a hill, you know, America and manifest destiny. There's all this narrative of our history, the story of our history, the story of a country that refuses to be part of the planet unless the planet's under its boot. And so we need to destroy that country in terms of the narrative. We need to destroy the idea that the United States is not a part of the continent because now the American idea as applied to the economy and as manifested in climate change will destroy life on earth, is destroying life on earth. So American history, quote unquote, has to end. We have to be the ones to end it and launch a new narrative, a new narrative of our history because individually and politically and now planetarily, we have to tell ourselves stories, not just to live, as Joan Didion said, but to survive. If we continue telling ourselves that the United States is this unique phenomenon, more species will die. More children will never see tigers, lions, or polar bears. More cities on the coast will sink underwater. More people in the American Southwest, quote-unquote, will suffer the worst effects of climate change because the southwestern United States is the part of the United States that will most be impacted by climate change. So I have a lot of stories about the impacts and the fight against the causes of climate change in the U.S. Southwest, the place that also happens to concentrate the most Latinos. So it's browning in terms of the climate and the land and the effects of the climate on the water, sea, land, and air. But it's also browning in terms of the people. So you can see the browning as a as a negative thing, or you can see it as something positive and, and do like I do and say that when things are going south, it means they're getting better. Because we can no longer deny the ascendant power of America Latina that has rejected U.S. hegemony in the region like no other region on earth. We as Latinos in the United States are the ones that are most connected to that anti-hegemonic power that has the potential to help save the world literally now. That's the stakes. It's not histrionic. It's not exaggeration. Just Google climate change Southwest. Google what's happening in your community to your air, to the water you drink, to the future of your children. And you have to know that climate change is having an impact and that the root cause of climate change is American civilization as applied to the economic system of the world. So American civilization has to go, or we're going. That's the voice of Roberto Lovato. He's a writer, he's a political thinker and analyst. He also is a visiting scholar at the Center for Latino Policy Research. And he will be speaking Thursday, this Thursday at 3.30 to 5 at Shorb House, which is 2547 Channing Way on UC Berkeley's campus. And it is an event put on by the Center for Latino Policy Research. A lot of folks listening maybe are out of the area or maybe they can't get out of work. How can people either listen to this talk again or stay up on all your important analysis on this issue? They can go to the Center for Latino Policy Research after Thursday, give us a day or so, and it'll be uploaded to the website, the Center for Latino Policy Research at UC Berkeley. And, and that's the best way for people to stay up on your work as well. They can go to my blog, which is kind of on hiatus while I'm writing this book, uh, but it's ofamerica.wordpress.com. So tell us about some of what you've been finding out about some of the networks that existed that maybe people aren't reading about in their history books. We're in the global era, and we're obviously interconnected through trade, communications, the Internet, and family networks, etc. But there was a pre-Columbian Internet that was continental consciousness. The connections, the rituals, the social norms, the ways of talking— 
in the continent, about the continent, and the connections between indigenous people on the continent. I was talking to some archaeologists in Arizona who were showing me how these jars of chocolate that were found in way up in northern Colorado were originally from what is now Ecuador. And so you had trade between indigenous peoples in uh, what is now Ecuador and Colombia, trading with indigenous people in southern Mexico, the Mayas. And there was trade between the Mayas and people north of them. There was trade between the Aztecs via what were known as Postecas, which were traders who carried goods from Tenochtitlan in southern Mexico and central Mexico all the way up to northern Colorado to what's now Arizona, to New Mexico. You're not just talking about material culture. You're also talking about consciousness, consciousness about themselves and about the way they saw the world. And so we have to refuse to be bordered off in the continental unconscious. We have to embrace it and act on the calling of that unconscious, which is nothing less, I believe, really to save the world. The world's in deep trouble because of this idea of America and the American civilization that produced American-style capitalism that's not produced American-style climate destruction. So war is primarily spiritual, and spirit has a lot to do with memory and history. So we can't be boarded off from our memory anymore. We have to open that up and look at all the trauma, but also at the myths, at the beautiful, sublime things, and at the visions, and at the overcoming of trauma, inherent in that because that's what's going to keep us steady as the the war to save the planet moves forward. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Roberto Lovato making all these connections and a call to action to everyone to really look at the way they understand their own history to be able to address this current huge urgent challenge, which is climate change that's affecting everyone. Muchísimas gracias. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, and we are very, very, very honored to have one of the most important, powerful voices in music today on the line with us. I have Concha Buica. She will be here February 28th. That's a Saturday. She'll be here at the Norus Theater, 275 Hay Street in San Francisco. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Pues es un verdadero placer igualmente. Muchísimas gracias a vosotros. You just heard Concha Buica's song, La Noche Más Larga, and this beautiful song gives you a taste of what she will bring. Bueno, es una noche que habla de eso, precisamente, de las noches largas en las que nos pasamos horas y horas discutiendo para que luego al final no pase realmente nada, ¿no? Es un poco esa incongruencia, ¿no?, de esas noches en las que nos gusta en vez de dormir o hacer el amor o estar mirando la tele, comemos a discutir por tonterías con la pareja, ¿no? Y es un poco dedicado a ese momento tan extraño y tan tan revulsivo, que no, realmente no sé para qué sirve, ¿no? El diálogo es mucho mejor. Concha Buica, la última vez que viniste aquí en la área de la Bahía de San Francisco, se agotaron todos los plazos, se llenó completamente. Tu voz habla a gente de muchas diferentes experiencias, de muchos diferentes orígenes, gente hasta que no habla español se enamoran con tu voz. ¿Qué piensas que viven o pueden sentir a través de tu música? Bueno, la letra... Es entendible por todos, aunque no hablen el mismo idioma, compartimos los mismos secretos, no hacemos más que cantar nuestros secretos y las cosas que hemos vivido, que no son muy diferentes a lo que viven los demás. Yo siempre he sido de la opinión de que somos tan bobos a veces que nos escondemos secretos. Y luego cuando los cantas descubres que no eran tal secreto, que a muchísimas personas les pasa exactamente lo mismo que te pasa a ti. Entonces yo siento que en la música tenemos esa unión, ¿no? esa especie como de verdadera unión de las cosas, ¿no? 
creo que más que nada es eso, que a veces me escuchan y se oyen a sí mismos. Me pasa con muchos artistas que los escuchas y parece que está cantando tu historia. Y además es muy curioso porque no importa a qué país estemos, las personas se emocionan en los mismos momentos de las canciones aunque no entiendan la letra, con lo cual no es que no estén entendiéndola, ¿no? entienden el sentimiento y entienden muchas cosas. La música es un secreto de dos, del que canta o del que toca y del que escucha, ese es un secreto de dos. ¿Sabes? Yo no conozco tu secreto, pero lo toco. Tú no conoces mi secreto, pero me tocas. ¿no? Es bonito. Well, at the end, it's not my secret, it's our secret. Our secret. You know what I'm saying? That's very at true. At the end, we discovered that we share the same secrets. I mean, we are hiding the same stupid secrets. You know? <laughs> so at the end, it's our secrets. Maybe change the names, maybe change the situation, but the issue is the same. I've been there and I've done that. The same as you or the same as other people. We, we don't understand some of the things that happen to us, but we go through them as well, you know. So I think that with music is the same. There's a many of you don't understand in the language. You're seeing his face, you're seeing what he's singing, and you understand that it's the same thing that happened to you. It's beautiful. It's like a, such a kind of... In, in certain house, sometimes what I feel is that nosotros hemos retado a ese castigo de Dios de no entendernos por las lenguas. ¿no? Él nos castigó poniéndonos una barrera que eran las lenguas. Nosotros con la música hemos podido, en cierta manera, redimir ese castigo ¿no? y poder entendernos y comunicarnos más allá de las palabras. ¿no? Y la gente va a poder escuchar muchas de tus canciones de La Noche Más Larga y tal vez otros, otros discos también. Sí, porque en, este, en esta gira lo que estamos haciendo es como una especie de como, no despedida, porque no nos estamos despidiendo, pero sí estamos despidiendo un tipo de música y de repertorio que hemos estado defendiendo hasta ahora. ¿no? Con el nuevo disco, porque ahora estamos grabando un nuevo disco, y con el nuevo disco estamos saltando pues hacia otra dimensión, ¿no? hacia otros sonidos, hacia otras estructuras. Y entonces con este estamos un poco, con esta gira estamos un poco despidiéndonos del sonido que hemos estado haciendo hasta ahora. We are so so excited to have you back because here the Bay Area loves you so much and really appreciates you. your magical voice. Doesn't matter your age or background, you will be touched by Concha Buica's incredible, incredible storytelling and voice. Thank so you. Thank, thank you, you so much. so much, and we will leave our listeners with another song of La Noche Más Larga. La canción de Throw It Away. I think that is a really beautiful and pure message, and I think that today is very important to remember that. Y ahora vamos a escuchar La Nave del Olvido. Gracias, hermana. Gracias, hasta luego. Todas nuevas que morirían en mi 
mis manos si te mueres Espera un poco, un poquito más Para llevarte mi felicidad Espera un poco, un poquito más Me moriría si te vas Espera un poco, un poquito más Para llevarte mi felicidad
for La Raza Chronicles, my guest today is Stacy Powers, Executive Director of the Brava Theater in San Francisco on 24th in New York, where you've probably seen so many exciting programs. Welcome, welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's well, a pleasure. We haven't seen you in, is it two three, years? Uh, almost three now. You had just begun as executive director of the Brava, and you were full of great doubts and fears <laughs> and visions and plans. So what has happened since then? Yeah, when I first came to Brava back in February 2012, it was a very bleak picture for the building and the organization in the neighborhood. The building was in foreclosure, and there was over $2 million of debt on the building. So over the last three years with the board and my staff, we've been working really diligently to save this wonderful, iconic building in the neighborhood that's meant so much to the community since 1926, since it was built. It's always been a center for art and movies and theater and dance and music. So we are very, very excited that we have been able to raise $2 million in the last three years. We got the building out of debt, out of foreclosure, just closed last week on a refinance of the mortgage, which is going to allow us to continue keeping Brava open. And as a community asset, I'm really so happy and overjoyed about that. Well, congratulations. That is quite a feat from foreclosure to this thriving enterprise. And it's been so important because the community has been undergoing so much change during that three-year period. Do you want to address that? Yeah, we have seen a lot of displacement and gentrification in our communities. We've seen a lot of families displaced, a lot of artists displaced, and it has really affected our community over the last five years in a major way. And Keeping Brava as a community asset and open is an epic win for the neighborhood and the community, and it really gives us hope to keep on fighting the good fight, you know, get housing in the neighborhood, keep artists, keep families, keep it a diverse working class community. With a thriving cultural life. So much of it seems to come out of the Brava. We're partners with all of the other cultural institutions on the block. We we work with the Calle 24 Neighborhood and Merchants Association to create the Latino Cultural District. The mayor and the supervisor last May 2014 declared it a Latino Cultural District. We work with Mission Cultural Center, Presida Eyes, Dance Mission, Galeria de la Raza, Cuica Cali Escuela de Danza, Local Bloco. There are so many great institutions on the corridor, and we all really work together to support each other. And we are happy to host so many events that the other cultural institutions present during the year. So we partner with everybody to help continue that keeping the neighborhood a culturally diverse neighborhood. Well, you are the biggest venue in the neighborhood. How many seats is the Brava Theater? We have 360 seats in our main stage, and then we have a small studio space of 1,200 square feet where we have dance classes and rehearsals and performances that seat up to 70 people. We also have our storefront project that we're about to finish. We have three storefront spaces that will become offices, a new dressing room for the main stage, and a new another multi-purpose space that we can have more classes and events in. And what are these classes that you hold? We have a variety. Our, our youth program is made up of Cuica Cali Escuela de Danza, which is Mexican bailo folklorico. They also do uh, hip-hop and ballet and modern classes for youth 5 to 18. We have our uh, running crew, which is uh, youth 13 to 18. We train them how to do sound and lights, how to build sets, how to use tools, how to work in a theater. It's a job training and design program. And we encourage any San Francisco youth who are looking for something to do after school to come by the theater Mondays and Wednesdays after school to participate in that program, which is really amazing. And we have the SF Youth Theater as a home-based theater program for youth 13 to 18, run by Emily Cleon. So we have three youth programs in the building. Marga Gomez often has her workshops at our space. We comedy have workshops? Comedy uh, writing workshops in our space. She'll be starting one coming up this week on Tuesday nights. 
And we have other classes that are workshops throughout the year, like we do the Son Jarocho Festival in August. We'll have workshops there for adults for the Son Jarocho Festival. And that's exciting. That'll be the fourth annual Son Jarocho Festival. That is exciting. Mm-hmm. So right now you have a very exciting piece on. Tell us about that. Oh, Mighty Real, a fabulous Sylvester musical. And it is fabulous. I was so fortunate to receive a call last October from the creators um, of Mighty Real, a fabulous Sylvester musical from New York. They did it off-Broadway for four weeks. These two young men, Kendrell Bowman and Anthony Wayne, created the piece. Uh, Anthony Wayne plays Sylvester, and they called me. They wanted to do it in San Francisco, in Sylvester's hometown, and we worked it out to bring them out here, and it is an amazing project. Sylvester meant so much to San Francisco. He was an artist. He was an activist. He really fought the good fight for us and paved the way for so many people. And it's just a joy and honor to have this production at our theater. And it is just uh, 90 minutes straight, no intermission of in-your-face disco music and dancing. And the audience throughout is on their feet. And Anthony just embodies Sylvester. And Anastasia McCleskey and Jacqueline Arnold play the two tons of fun, and they're just fabulous as well. So how can people get tickets, and when are the showings? This will be our last weekend. The show runs Wednesday through Sunday at 8 p.m., and we have a Sunday matinee. Our Saturday night and Sunday matinee are almost sold out. So if you want to come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Sunday night, get your tickets at brava.org. And what are the upcoming projects? I'm also really excited about our next project in March. We're going to be presenting a piece called In the Spirit of Flying Eagle, a Jim Pepper tribute concert. We received a grant from the San Francisco Art Commission to work with Dr. Loco and AIM West to create a tribute concert to Jim Pepper. He was um, a pioneer fusion jazz artist, blues artist. He did Native American music with jazz. He combined them into this amazing sound. Many people might know the song Wichita Ta was one of his more popular tunes. So we brought on Malesio Magdaluyo, Francis Wong, and Hafez Mordiazade to, uh, to join Dr. Loco in this saxophone tribute. We're going to have also on the bill Brian Andrus, John Calloway, John Carlos Padilla, All Nations Drum, Mary Jean Robertson, Maggie Steele, Avacha. It's just going to be a wonderful lineup of musicians um, in this great tribute. And when is and that? That's going to be Sunday, March 22nd at 7 p.m. at Brava. And people can go to uh, Brava. Brava.org to get tickets and more information. So organizationally, what are your plans for these next three years? Well, we're now going to be in a new transition of being a stable organization. (laughs) We'll have new challenges of, you know, we have to continue to raise money. It's a big building. It takes a lot of resources to run the theater. I just want to say that this Tuesday, March 3rd, I'm being honored at uh, the Board of Supervisors meeting every March. The Board of Supervisors honors 11 women from in San Francisco, one from each district, and I'm the District 9 honoree nominated by our supervisor, David Compos. I'm very happy. They're, they're so thrilled with the work we've been able to accomplish in the last three years, and I just feel very special to be receiving this honor on Tuesday. And I encourage as many people to come out to City Hall, 3.30, Tuesday, March 3rd. We want to really show what arts means in the city. We want to have a good turnout so that we can continue to get funding through the city. The city's been a great partner of Brava these last three years and have really worked well with me, the mayor, the supervisors, mayor staff to keep Brava open. And we need to continue to fund arts. We need to look at artists as constituents, as an important piece of the landscape and how we are going to house artists and keep arts alive in San Francisco. Well, felicidades. That's wonderful to be honored on March 3rd for Women's Day. Yes. The achievement that you've made is tremendous. I mean, to take a huge building like that that's in foreclosure when everybody is being kicked out of their homes and dumped out in the street and save it and 
even increase it, that you've created three storefronts into it, is quite amazing. And to have classes and workshops and marvelous performances. Felicidades, Thank you so much, Nina. It's, you know, Bravo's been part of my life since I moved to San Francisco in 1982. My daughters perform there. My husband's perform there. And so many of my dear friends have been on that stage. And it's really an important place. So we, again, you know, as much as it's important to have places to do art and perform art, we also need places for artists to live. And so that's our next piece is to work on housing policies that really keep families and artists in the neighborhood and in the community. Well, that's going to be a tremendous challenge, but you proved yourself as someone who can take on Goliath. Well, you know, we all do our part. You know, I, I couldn't do my part without you doing your part. And I think that's really what's important that we all chip in and we all are part of the struggle. You know, we all have to get up every day. A couple of Sundays ago, I took the Mighty Real cast to the City of Refuge Church in Oakland and was blown away by their church ceremony. And the bishop, she said, power will never concede without struggle. And I was really moved by that statement. You know, we get up every day, solve the problems that we can on that day, and then the next day we face the new challenges. But in order to get where we need to go, we have to keep fighting the good fight. Well, you've certainly done that. Muchas gracias, Stacy Powell, Executive Director of the Brava Theater. Thank you so much, Nina, for having me. A pleasure. And reminder, if you want tickets, it's www.brava.org. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Un placer. Reloj, no marques las horas Porque voy a enloquecer Ella se irá para siempre Cuando amanezca otra vez No más nos queda esta noche Para vivir nuestro amor Y tu tic-tac me recuerda Mi irremediable dolor Reloj, detén tu camino Porque mi vida se apaga Bienvenidos to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm your host, Vanessa Bohm, and I'm excited to have accomplished singer and local musician Claudio Ortega. He will be releasing his CD called Sombras, which he recorded in collaboration with Hugo Weinziger this March 6th at 7.30 at the Community Music Center in San Francisco. Muchísimas gracias, Claudio, por estar con nosotros y hablar de su música. Uh, muchas gracias por recibirme. Well, we at La Raza Chronicles love to highlight local Bay Area artists, and we're very pleased to be taking a look at your new CD, Sombras, that really reflects a style of music that we don't get to hear very often in, in the Bay Area, but our listeners are very familiar with this style of music, and that's tangos. Um, you yourself are originally from Argentina, where tango became famous. How did you begin to sing this style of music? It happened uh, about uh, seven years ago. We started with a small band of three people. We were performing all over the peninsula for many years. Then I uh, also performed in another formation, which is Tangonero, which is a quartet. And also with Uwe Weinsinger, we have been having many, many tango performances all over the place nearby. And you started singing as a young kid, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was in a choir when I was <laughs> in, in elementary school. But actually, I did not start singing uh, professionally up until seven, eight years ago. That's right. Well, why don't we just jump into the music? Because I know our listeners are excited to get a, a taste of what they'll hear at the CD release event. Again, that will be taking place on March 6th at 7.30 at the Community Music Center in San Francisco. Which song do you want to hear off of the album? Uh, I would like to hear Amanecer, if it could be possible. Yes, of course. Let's take a listen to the song Amanecer by Claudio Ortega off of his album Sombras. Thank you. 
y ver tu rostro sonreír es un placer, un privilegio para mí buscar la luz en el fulgor de tu mirar es despertar con el amor Mirar que el sol en tu cabello se anidó Y la alborada en tu sonrisa se escondió Ver que mi verso tiene un ritmo y un color es un placer Amanece con la importancia de saber que soy de ti que pertenezco solo a ti que nunca más mis sueños fríos sentirán es ya tener un porvenir amanecer y ver que tengo junto a mí lo que hace tanto, tanto tiempo pretendí Es un placer y un privilegio para mí Amanecer y ver que tengo junto a mí Lo que hace tanto, tanto tiempo pretendí Es un placer y un privilegio para mí Es un placer y un privilegio para mí. Welcome back to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm your host, Vanessa Bohm, and that was the song Amanecer by Claudio Ortega, who will be releasing his CD, Sombras, March 6th at the Community Music Center in San Francisco. We're speaking to him about his music, and he produced this album, Sombras, in collaboration with Hugo Weinziger, who is also an accomplished composer, musician, arranger here in the Bay Area. Claudio Tell us how you two got together to work on this album. As I mentioned before, we have been um, having performances. We have a, a long friendship, like five or six years, and performing, as I said many times. And uh, about two years ago, we thought that it would be a good idea to expand our uh, horizon from tango and other music from Argentina that was uh, the, the main part of our uh, performances into music all over America, right, and Spain. So we started incorporating, you know, uh, in the repertoire, music from Joan Manuel Serrat and Joaquin Sabina and a lot of authors from Mexico, boleros, ballads. And that is what is the core of this CD. This CD is about ballads and boleros and that kind of romantic music as, that, as you mentioned at the beginning, is very difficult to find out uh, these days or, or even impossible in this area. That's right. You all will be singing a mix of tangos, milongas, valses, boleros, baladas from different parts of Latin America. I'm, I'm sure that people that come to the, to the concert will be, will be really, really happy to be there. Yes, and a couple of songs were actually written by Hugo Weinziger also. Correct. There are three songs actually in this, uh, in this CD, which has been written by Hugo, which by the way, he's an extraordinary musician and composer, uh, also a performer. 
Well, I know I'm very excited to get a chance to listen to you all perform. Again, the CD release event will be on March 6th at 7.30 p.m. at the Community Music Center in San Francisco's Mission District. Claudio, tell us how our listeners can get more information about the event and buy tickets in advance if they need to. Sure. So if you only remember my website, which is the Tango Singer, only one is only one word, right? The Tango Singer dot net. If you go there and then you go, you click on shows that is at, at the top. Then you will get the upcoming shows, which one of them is the one that we are talking about. And there you have the you know the address and the time, etc. So there is no there is no way to miss it. Well, our listeners are in for a really exciting and wonderful show. Why don't we go out with one of your songs? Sure. Let's say Usted. How about that? Chévere. Pues muchísimas gracias para estar con nosotros. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and we look forward to having you on the show again. Muchas gracias por, por recibirme, y fue un placer. Es la culpable de todas mis angustias y todos mis quebrantos. Usted llenó mi vida de dulces inquietudes y amargos desencantos. Su amor es como un grito que llevo aquí en mi alma y aquí en mi corazón y soy aunque no quiera esclavo de sus ojos juguete de su amor no juegue con mis penas ni con mis sentimientos que es lo único que tengo Usted es mi esperanza, mi última esperanza, comprenda de una vez, usted me desespera. You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles Crónicas de la Raza on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. If you'd like to listen to this program again or share it with others, you can check us out on soundcloud.com. Just search for La Raza Chronicles. And of course, make sure to like us on Facebook for updates on news, politics, culture, music, and the arts in the Latino community. Stay tuned next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for more La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. Hasta la próxima. Buenas noches. Thank you.